Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Soccer America, the soccer paper of record. Go to SoccerAmerica.com and sign up for your subscription today. And by Nella from Fitbiomics. The Harvard doctor has found the probiotic strain that is found in most world-class athletes. Not all probiotics are the same. More information on all our sponsors at OverTheBall.com slash sponsors. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247. Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn and Chris Chavez. One's a comic, one's a coach. I'm not sure which is which here. I've been uh, in Edinburgh, Chris, for a month. I am so ready to come home. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Today was my first day off in uh, in 30 days, so I feel like I just went through my preseason, too. How things going on the LMU end of uh, things there on the other side of the world, basically, right now? Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, first day off in, like, 30 days, you know, because you come out of preseason and the start of the season is so fast, three games in eight days and all that stuff, and then you just catch a breath and uh, you realize a month has gone by. So, I, I know how you feel. Are you coming back soon? I'm coming back. I leave. Uh, I fly to Boston tomorrow morning, so I'm leaving my my uh, flat is what we call it here. Oh, um, we call it a flat, apparently, yeah. Uh, I leave at like four in the morning to today, so or tomorrow. So that's uh, that's that. So so look, I've been checking in on the. Uh, you've had three games after uh, you've just taken over the program at Loyola Marymount. Uh, they were what? They lost twenty three games in a row. Is that what it was when you uh, stepped unfortunately, in? Unfortunately, twenty six. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're three games into the season. You have a win, your first win, and two ties, uh, dude. You 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 gotta be uh, you gotta be feeling good about this. Uh, the is are the women uh, buying in? Are they believing it? Yeah, I mean they've been through a lot. You know, the last couple yeah. of years, no one likes to lose, and no one likes to lose a lot. So you know that's that's always hard for a group. So to get a little momentum is is nice, and to give them a smile and a good experience, uh, it's hard. You know, we we have a we're a new staff, so right. it's uh, a lot of work. All the new players are going, all the players, not just the new players, but all the players are going through their first season with us. So creating a language, creating you know an ethic, a culture, all that stuff is a part of it and it takes a ton of work but so far so good and you know we squeeze two ties and, and get a win and you know there's it, it's going to be a long season for us because it's going to require a maximum maximum effort but uh we're off to a good start so we're pleased well that's fantastic you got the, the women believing at this point right now and that's that's half the battle i mean uh, it's amazing what a win will do for you and and for your confidence uh, and and for a team and we've always been all of us have been on both sides of of that equation. So uh, it, it's nice. Well, so anyway, good, good luck for the rest of the season. Thank As you. you said it is a long season. It's, it's not even September yet. Right. You got September, October to go through. And then, uh, Hey, who knows? Maybe a little run in November. Can you imagine? Can you, yeah, imagine? can you imagine? How about you? How was your run? The shows are over. Shows are over. I am. Uh, I'm very happy. I, like I said, I leave tomorrow and uh, there's, it, this is a beautiful town. It's unbelievable. You know, I've, I've talked about it here for the last couple of weeks on the show, but the one thing that's going on is they've turned into France a little bit because uh, the garbage workers are on strike here. Uh, and they waited till, you know, everything happens right now. It's the, the Edinburgh fringe festival in August. It's the film festival. It's the book festival. It's the cultural festival. It's a television thing. So, they picked the perfect time. They're like, they're not. Now I tell you, when I first got here, there were men and women full time picking up garbage around the streets. And there wasn't that much. It wasn't like Manhattan. 
you know, I, I think they were picking up little pieces of paper up and down. So I go, wow, these are full-time jobs. They keep the city clean. And when you keep the city clean, suddenly people start, you know, following up on it. They, they start putting everything in the garbage. And, and, and so it was a really clean city. And it went from zero to 60, basically. Uh, it's almost in the second week of the garbage strike here. So I have not seen the rats because if there was a 10-day garbage strike in Manhattan, um, there'd be rats the size of... Um, you know, Joey Buttafuoco, we're walking down the street. There's a reference for you. My God. <laughs> uh, let me go back 30 years and throw that one out. Joey Buttafuoco. Um, gosh. Jeez, this guy guy has an affair on his wife, and then the young woman shoots the wife, and the wife still goes to court and defends him. I, he loved me. He loved me. I with a head wound. Oh, my God. I couldn't get that out of my mind. <laughs> so, I was thinking garbage. I thought, I don't know. So, anyway. Um, can we go yeah, back so to France? Yeah. Like, well, how are you French, scarred in France, obviously? <laughs> well, the French always like they go on strike, a rail strike in the summer, right when the big tourist season hits. See, I mean, you know, the French. I used to make fun of the French so much on stage. And now I realize like uh, they were into, you know, the Renaissance and everything. They inspired our our uh, our civil war, you know, to say our uh, independence. So uh, I definitely look at the French differently. But uh, the workers' rights they go for and they they go right when it's the busiest time of year. Why not, right? And so wow. the, I think the I think the Scottish, uh, the Edinburgh guys have just uh, done the same thing. So they're on. So strike. you're getting out of town right in time. I hope so. This I don't know how much garbage is going to be on the runway. Maybe they'll <laughs> no, they won't be able to take off. But it's amazing to also look to walk down the streets and see the amount of plastic uh, that is out mm. there. It's just unbelievable. I think for the world's health, we have to figure out uh, some sort of if we're going to keep doing plastic, uh, more of a bi biodegradable plastic. So anyway, welcome to Global Warming with Kevin <laughs> Flynn and Chris Shamides. Um, but anyway, well, I mean, Joey Buttafuoco has been talking about plastic problems for years. Yeah, he has exactly the the plate that's in his wife's head, the poor thing. <laughs> um, but look, I was uh, walking by one of the um, little housing areas here, and then I noticed it in a couple of housing areas. In the back of these housing um, uh, areas are basically cages with soccer nets on both ends, and ah. it's. The roof is caged in, the sides are caged in, and it's basically so you don't lose the ball. Yeah, little futsal courts or something. Futsal courts, yeah, and the kids are playing all day. It's wonderful. I think we need some of those uh, in, in the cities. In but these the are like uh, private homes or like No, in no it's, like, it's like a, apartment complexes. It's, oh. in the back, it's in the back, like by the parking lot. And I was like, what is that? And then I watched a, a little small-sided games. The kids, were, the kids were playing, and I was like, wow, it's great tight spaces. They weren't knocking it you know, for they're trying to play out of the back and, and play through trouble. And I'm like, this is where it develops. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, if you go through, you know, the American landscape, you, you see a lot of basketball courts and, and now you're seeing some soccer fields and courts as well. But obviously when you go through Europe, it's all football. So that's always nice to see. Well, there was the, the hockey boom, I think, back, I mean, not the hockey boom, but the um, tennis boom in the 70s, where they built a lot of courts that aren't used now. And I know mm. um, that the, the group down in Washington were trying to build a lot of futsal courts in the cities because the spaces are there. So I encourage that, uh, you know, you, you change those spaces. But also in the city, I, I hadn't seen the cage before. I hadn't seen the roof on it. It's it's high, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a, a steel top. So, you know, to not lose the ball keeps it in but it also probably encourages you to play the ball low all the time on the ground you know keep it keep it moving so uh yeah still cage wwf exactly a couple of scotties going just a few canoe um hey so i am again uh you know as an american man i've been talking about it all week with with 
all these English and uh, the Welsh and Scottish and Aussies, everybody that's here. It's a very international city, Edinburgh, but I'm telling them we have more soccer than anyone in the world. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I'm, I'm having a tough time finding my footy here every day. Even on the BBC, they do the still pictures. They don't do the highlights. You know? Yeah, they don't have the rights. Yeah. They don't have the rights. So anyway, um, but the Premier League, been reading, because I do that occasionally, a mm -hmm. um, lot going on. A lot going on. Uh, Liverpool's kind of back on track with a nine-nil win. Um, yeah. Up. Yeah. They, I mean, they they had a tough loss against Man United, and and it was probably uh, the kind of loss that you know they they just didn't play well, and they didn't yeah. look like themselves. Never mind the loss that happens, but they just didn't look like themselves. So it seemed like they had a conversation or two, and then tried to get back on track, quote unquote, and came out and dropped nine on them. And and Klopp handled it well. You know, he's like, look, this wasn't about dropping nine on you in particular we just needed to get this out of our system basically and that's right. what they did and, and and that hopefully you know invigorates them they've had some injuries but they just haven't been playing well and this hopefully changes their course back on because they need it because the arsenals and the cities are not slowing down and neither is tottenham and they're going to fall too far behind yeah you know that's the kind of game and the man united game is the type of game that will wake one team up it actually woke both teams up, I think, in a, in a sense, because Man United won again as well. That was a win they really needed. They were dejected from the loss they had had the week before. Um, and you're right. Liverpool is not playing well. Uh, their midfield was sort of gutted a little bit. I mean, they started Milner and Henderson, uh, two old you know, English players in the midfield, not known for their creativity, both hard workers, sort of knock and support players. But um, you, you can't have too much of that in the midfield. And you have these these uh these guns up top that that just weren't getting service i, th I felt and i even felt like you know robertson yeah. apparently was getting uh, he was giving the ball i didn't notice it as much but a lot of the um the possession charts a lot of the things i was reading about about he was giving the ball away and making poor decisions over and over and yeah. i and he got replaced uh he got pulled yeah i mean you know it's you're also dealing with the restructuring of the attack with Mane being gone and, mm -hmm. and now Nunez is there and, you know, he takes an early red card in the season. And so just that one change affects the flow of an attack. And so there's adjustments that have to be made. Salah still gets his goal against United because he, he just he just can. He is that good. But you're right. It's a huge win for United. Uh, yeah, that older group of Liverpool players is if they're on the field at the same time, it can be problematic. And uh, yeah. but they know that they, they're just in a pinch right now and they had to get through this pinch. And as they get their people back, I think they'll be back to who they are. But in the meantime, this league is so competitive. You fall this many points behind early on. You may or may not be able to catch up. I mean, these especially teams are playing on small margins. Yeah, especially with Man City, just with that monster Holland up there, man, it's uh, unbelievable. He's just a machine. I mean, it's, you know, true striker. It's and a big boy, too. And he does his work, man. I'm a big fan of him and I'm a big fan of this team and they are, there's no reason why they can't be the best in Europe this year. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, he yeah. adds that much of a feature to them, um, a physical component. He's triple the size of what they've had up there and he's going to finish just as many and more. Um, more so, so than more so than Kane, even Kane, you know, Kane, you know, great striker. I think he just got his uh, what, 200th goal. And uh, I think, uh, you know, that's what Pep was looking for. And I think he gets that and some, he gets more youth um, with Holland. Yeah. And he's always better with Pep is better with the young players. So if you give him a choice of Holland or Kane, he's always going to pick the younger player. Cause that's his MO. You know, he, he likes to control. Well, maybe that's my opinion, but he likes to control young players. And so yeah. hard to control an older player like a Kane. I don't think many older players have done great with Pep, but with the younger ones do. 
uh, and Holland, yeah. you know, there's another dynamic Holland's father played at city back in the day. And, you know, so he would, they were right. able to sign him. Um, so that they're, they're flying, uh, that they're going to be hard to stop, especially in Europe. Let me ask you a question uh, to go back to Liverpool for a second, because it was something I thought about that I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, Mane works so hard. Um, he, he also seems to stretch defenses and I think they, they lost that Salah doesn't Salah kind of gives you some width and then he attacks on the outside kind of with that, you know, cutting inside to the left with a dangerous left foot. And then people are anticipating that and he cuts back and, you know, so that's the width, but Mane was basically, uh, the, the length, uh, you know, opening teams up and they, they didn't have that. Do you think that the, either of the guys that they have now, Nunez or Ruiz will be able to do that, recreate that for them? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a good problem to have because they're still yeah. replacing him with good players. Um, but I, I think it's just going to be, it take a little time for it to click. So they understand how and when they like to receive the ball and how to find each other on the move. Those are little things that take time uh, and only through playing games do you get that. So, you know, that's the part of the game where I feel like they're, they're trying to catch up, you know, where the, the transition to City having Holland is more plug and play, in my opinion. You know, right. he can just sit up there as a nine and just bang stuff in that comes his way. He's not as much of a part as the buildup. But the way Liverpool play and the way, like you say, that they stretch and then come back inside and all the different ideas to their game model. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit more time to get sorted. You're right. All right, so Arsenal still top of the table, playing well. Yeah, uh, you know they got the documentary out right now, so a lot of people are getting a chance to look at you know behind the scenes what's been going on there last year. I've watched a few of the episodes, not all of them. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't see it. I don't know how it's all coming together. Um, Arteta obviously knows his stuff, but he's new on the job and. Uh, I think we see that he's new on the job, but at the is same he, time, is this, this is his second year, right? This full second, yeah, year. second or third, second right? Third, yeah, this is yeah. the beginning of his third. So he's yeah, but what I, what I mean by this is like second or third year as a head coach, and yeah, the yeah. line is it's different, you know, and it takes time to figure out who you are and how, what your voice is and how you work and all that stuff. The knowledge is in his head; it's all in there. It's just a matter of you know, the knowledge is less important. What's more important is is how you how you share it, how you communicate, how you lead, all that, kind of, how you run the locker room, all that. Basically stuff. the same thing that you're going through right now with the new team, um, players that are seniors, juniors, freshmen, you know, everything. You have the full gamut, players you didn't recruit, players you have to figure out how they play. They have to figure out how you play, what your system yeah, is. Right. So, so this is the thing. And in, in, in three years, we come back and it's the players you've recruited who have already bought into the system uh, or, you, you, you know, you don't have to teach four grades how right, to get by exactly. the system. You're, you're teaching one at a time and then the yeah. older players are there to help. So, yeah, um, but they've got good energy. They haven't dropped a point. I mean, they're top of the table and have done well to, to stay there. I, I, you know, I've got, maybe it's cause I got Italian in my background, but I'm always rooting for Antonio Conte and, and Tottenham. And, uh, you know, I just love the work he does. His teams just snarl and defend. And even against Nottingham forest, like they sit back and let Nottingham forest have the ball for extended periods of time. And, they find ways to get an early goal and a late goal. And uh, the Richarlison signing is going to be huge for them to allow them to stay mobile up top with their three, you know, front players on the counterattack. Yeah. Um, but well, son, if you, they're you, not, you know. they're not going away. Tottenham is not going away. So right. be, be watch them this year that they're going to be interesting to watch. So a lot of the news coming out of Chelsea, it seems that I wouldn't say they pushed the panic button, but the wheels have come off a little bit for Tuchel. And, he, you know, uh, there was an arrogance there and probably a frustration there that, you know, with Conte, how he reacted to that, um, the pressure that these coaches face at this level. Um, but a couple of moves, they let Ross Barkley go. 
uh, which I thought was interesting. Apparently, Ronaldo's agent reached out to Chelsea. Wouldn't that be a fine? How do you do? He he was up there, just like a just like a mercenary. You know, it's unbelievable. Just yeah, shot. hard gun. Yeah. Well, the news out of United is they've got a bid accepted for Anthony, the young player coming out of Ajax, which is you know a player that Ten Hag will know well. And um, you know now you're adding another young attacker to the group. This is going to bury Ronaldo deeper into the roster. So it kind of it kind of signs his fate there. So now, now is what do you do? How do you get something out of it? And who's going to take them? And they're running out of time because the window closes. Well, they, you know, maybe, you know, the, the amount of money they get, will be able to pay for some of that deal with Anthony. So, right. But um, the more they wait and now that they've signed Anthony, then the more you can negotiate with a better stance against United. Cause you know, United's in a pinch stuck with Ronaldo. So you just don't have to pay as much. Well, so well, and Chelsea has been involved with, uh, or so let, they let Barkley go. They're talking to Ronaldo or Ronaldo's talking to them. Basically. I know that they've reached out to Aubameyang and to Zaha. Uh, Zaha, man, that's the kind of player I, I've watched him. We all have at Crystal Palace for years and like, wow, if he was with one of those top teams, he'd be trouble. Big trouble. I mean, he's a hell of a player. Yeah, and he's, he's done a he's great doing job. It on his own. Yeah, yeah, he's done a great job of making a great career for himself. And you always wondered, like, hey, would he ever leave and go to a different team? And maybe that day will come. I think you're right. I think Chelsea's scrambling a little bit to figure it out. Part of it's new ownership. Part of it's just, you know, a lot of things behind the scenes, assembling their technical staff. It's a lot of new people now. And there's a, a big transition there. And then they go and they lose three, three nil to Leeds. And you're like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and, and so there's a lot going on all at the same time. And they're the kind of club that will spend. So, you know, they're willing and able to. They're just trying to figure out where to spend it. Yeah, Bami Yang. Yeah, I mean, he just got to Barcelona and just going to head right back to the Premier League after all the trouble, yeah. he, you know, he had at Arsenal. Um, so we'll, we'll see. see. Looks yeah, like they're trying to pick up somebody. So, uh, and, and look, they're they're still missing Lukaku in a way. As, as maligned as he was last year, he did. You got to keep an eye on him. I mean, he's a, he's a good He's player. a handful. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a handful. So yeah, yeah. you brought up you brought up leads. Uh, yeah. Luck ran luck ran out for Jesse and the boys. Um, yeah, but Brighton, 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 good team, well coached. Yeah, yeah, good team, well coached. No problem with that. Um, there, you know, you have the question because I guess now that you look back on the information from that 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 game, we keep talking about the Leeds Chelsea game when that when yeah. that match was over, the Leeds players ran. I forget if it was miles or kilometers, but they ran 11 more kilometers than the Chelsea players in that match, wow. which is what they want to do. They want to outrun you. They want to run that much more. They want to overwhelm you. And then you talk about the, sus the sustainability of it, right? Because now right. okay, against Chelsea, everyone's up for it. And now against Brighton, it's hard to just keep replicating it and replicating it. You know, I I'm sure... Uh, Jesse would bark at that if he was on this call, but like that would yeah. be our question, right? Is like, how do you replicate it? Because they're humans and they have to regenerate, and not every match is the same. Even though you're trying to create that and that approach, um, but they just can't pull it off this time, and so they go from three three love against uh, Chelsea to losing to Brighton all in one week. That's the Premier League. Yeah, they had a couple chances on net, and um, you know it's one of those games could have gone either way. I think, uh, but. He, he made his match and Brighton's playing well too. And like you said, they're, they're well coached. So, um, you know, I, I think, I don't know if Jesse adds anything before the, before the transfer window, it seems like he's pretty set with what, what he has. He's, he's got the guns that he needs and, um, he's just got to hang on, you know, to yeah. hopefully get to the middle of the table, which would be a huge, a huge win. Um, yeah. I mean, those two signings that they, well, the, the two players that they sold Phillips and, uh, 
uh, the other one skips escapes my mind right now but like they sold two and added seven so you know with the price tags they were able to get uh you know seven players for two and that's what they need they need the, the they youth need depth. you know and i think we talked about this last week but uh, i think a lot of people said with liverpool the type of uh the way they would play the way they just you know press so hard and starting up front you know whether it was Mane, salah you know um uh, Firmino, they were pressing hard. People said they're not going to be able to keep that up all season, yet they did. Uh, but I think with the the depth that they have, all eleven, you know, guys on the pitch, you're, you know, you have the possession. You know, you're not you're not dogging it as much as when you're just sort of, uh, you know, just sitting back a little bit more and, and with yeah. absorbing the pressure. So that takes yeah. a lot out of you when you don't have the ball. No, there's pressing, but then there's also what Leeds does. You know, there's pressing, there's counter-pressing, and there's what Leeds does. What Leeds does is the extreme. It, it's it's on the absolute edge. You know, Liverpool is so good with the ball and so good without the ball that, you know, they can manage matches. And, and as you and I have discussed, they've been forced by City to learn how to be better on the ball and hold on to it more because they have to be able to do that in those matches. Um, and so they've had to evolve. And that's, the, that's just the fun part about these coaches and these leagues is that when they see each other year in, year out, the way that they do, um, they, they have to stay one step ahead and keep evolving their game models to, you know, anticipate the next tweak and anticipate their personnel changes and how they can best play within their game model, but evolve so they can still stay one step ahead of others. It's really interesting to watch. Okay, so let's uh, bring it up to uh, back to the States. But in regard to the Premier League, Steve Kerr threw some love to uh, Salah. Apparently, he said, uh, that's my guy. Um, and, you know, it's funny. It's almost like uh, Salah plays a lot like a, like a point guard. You know, the cutting back, uh, you know, it's not the distribution that maybe a Henderson would do. That would be more of a, of a point guard maybe. But um, I, I love the fact that, that this international game now is becoming really part of American lifeblood. Yeah, I mean, Steve Kerr, I think, is an anomaly. You know, like his dad, I think, was an ambassador or something like that. Yeah, so, he was college college president in uh, in Lebanon. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah and I, th- I actually think he had a political position as well. But either way, yeah. they, they spent some time overseas. And so he's got, you know, he's grew up with a global approach to, to the world and understood soccer early on in his life and took an appreciation for it. And so right now... You know, he's uh, he's a cool guy. Like to me, he's one of those guys that like s- continues to stay in growth mode, as we've talked about, and is like a real student of other coaches. And, you know, he's done things with with the podcast. He's done things with uh, where he has other coaches on. Um, he's done things with, you know, via the ownership of the, of the Golden State Warriors. He'll visit the 49ers via his agent you know he'll visit Pete Carroll up in Seattle and watch, and watch just different coaches in different sports do different things also via his agent spend time with the LA Dodgers so like he's puts himself out there to try to get other you know ways of operating and he studied soccer as well so it's interesting and, to see that. and incidentally you just used via four times so that's four um, vias you know what four, four vias equal one poncho via I'll take one it <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So Kerr uh, got to meet Klopp and he was just, uh, you know, I love, like you said, coaches love coaches. And, you know, even like when yeah. I talked to, to Mike Noonan down at Clemson, you know, he's always talking about the other guys, the, the other coaches, and how well they're doing, Sasha and, and you know, um, just 
I don't know. I, I've just, when I meet a real coach, he's an educator. He's not just trying to get wins. He's trying to shape people. And because there's something bigger than just the win, right? Cause it's sort of, you know, you, that team aspect, delayed gratification, all the things you have to teach your players. So, I mean, I have always felt a good coach, a real coach is a one is a person who's a, who's an educator. So, but I, I love when there's that cross pollinization of, of yes. love, you know, yeah. across. Well, we all pull and, from each other. Right. So yeah. to pull little ideas from each other. And, and sometimes those are not just technical things within the sport, but philosophical things or ways of, presenting information ways of running your program etc that you really are not sports specific so it's interesting to watch i saw noons on tv you got a good win against indiana it was sellout crowd at clemson it was awesome you know i don't know it's because i'm i know my coach noonan um but i get all the clemson sort of uh, media stuff and they do a really good job about his philosophy about uh players that are now in mls that come back to clemson to talk to the players to talk about the team aspect about winning um, about what a win means, how to win. So uh, th he's really built a hell of a program there. And it's, it's a great sports school, though, too. You know, he always sings the praises of the football team. And, 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 I, and that's like, for, for me, as a soccer guy that was always just waiting for just, you know, drips and drabs that would come down from the football program, um, I love when they can coexist because, you know, there's enough athletes to go around. There should be enough opportunities for everybody. Um, you know, when I, you know, when I go to, when you to UMass, it's like the football team got everything and you just like, there's nothing left for anybody else. And that's tough, tough shit, basically, was what they were saying. And then because of the 90, you know, football scholarships, you got 90 women's scholarships that don't have a football team. So they're all taken care of. So really, I used to say to the, to the women's sports, I, I would say, you know, the girls on the, uh, the women on the soccer team, I'd be like, man, we're soccer players. It's not like we're, you know basketball or football players that are fully funded and fly everywhere it's like you know we know what it's like to 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 be second banana sometimes so um anyway so so that's great with noons so and his brother mark actually uh a former mls executive you probably knew him then when when you were there he was an all-american at duke a striker up there um he just took over as the commissioner of the canadian premier league and CEO of Canadian Soccer Business, which is a lot like SUM, Soccer United Marketing in mm -hmm. the U.S. So, look, man, Canada is a bear. Uh, look at that national team. They've turned around. Uh, you know, that guy's got him playing well. What is it? Park, I forget what it was. It Hankins, no, Sankinson? Or I forget what the coach of the Canadian national team is. But he's got those guys playing to their max. And I love seeing that. And because it's great for us as an American you know, team. we got to qualify through Mexico. We always thought about Mexico. Now we got to worry about Canada too. And it just, yeah, no, I'm happy for, for Noonan. Yeah. My wife and I got married in, in Connecticut and there was somewhere he was in MLS at the time and we were trying to figure out where in Connecticut to get married. And I got on the phone with him and he helped me kind of like boil it down to two or three places. And we took one of his recommendations. So that was very helpful. Um, but yeah, you know, you're talking about John Herdman, the Canadian coach and right. No, it's not just soccer. It's a great time for Canadian sport right now. Their tennis players are doing great. You know, there's a lot of successes that they've had, men's soccer, women's soccer, et cetera. Um, so good for Noonan. The, the Noonans are running things. Well, I mean, they're they're becoming like maybe the first family in, in American soccer here right now, currently. I mean, they so yeah, so Mike and Clemson just beat IU. But to go back to, to Mark, um, Canada, when I was in college, they were producing a lot of great players. They have a, a big Italian community, a Polish community. That, it was like truly like almost a little bit of old America up there. And then something happened. They lost momentum uh, for a while because I thought it felt like their national team 
with uh, Nagurski and I mean, who was it? Does it go to Broncos? Bronco Nagurski. Oh my God. No one will know who that is. That's a football player. Broncos. Was go kicker, wasn't it? No, he was like a, a lineman, linebacker. One of those NFL hall of famers from like, you know, with the leather helmet, no mask. Um, uh, but Broncos go to and all those guys, they were, they were, uh, because we had a guy named uh, Tasso Kazukas at UMass who was an all American as a freshman. And then he got drafted by the Chicago sting after his, uh, freshman year and left left he left yeah he left and played in in the nasl for years he's a great player greek player um but he was from canada and uh kurt manal we had this striker at umass who arrived after i was there and he was sort of on the national um radar for canada they they had players uh but something something happened and you know this shows you you need to fund you need to develop you need these programs and canada didn't do it um so, but yeah, now they, they do all, now, you know, like, yeah, they, they, they are, you know, they have their Canadian league. They also are, are tapped into MLS as well. There are academies now and they've really embraced the diversity. Like you say, there's so much diversity in some of these towns of Canada that, you know, there's a big player pool. And so they've been yeah. able to harness that. And now they've got a good national team. So yeah. Good. Well, you know, look, we've talked about MLS has been great for everything all around, but it's also strengthened. Uh, the Panamanian national team, the Costa Rican national team. Yeah. Because you know, the players are playing yeah. here and having conversely, it's, it's happening in Canada as well. You've got a couple of pro teams up there. They put in a couple of Canadian players. Um, they develop some players and it starts to take hold. So it's a, uh, it's a blessing on one side and tough on the other. So uh, my Canadian friends will never give me any credit for saying MLS really started, jump started the, the reinvigoration of soccer up in Canada. I remember driving up North with one of my buddies, when I was uh, hosting Go For It up there, and he turned to me and he said, "Well, you know, we're going to, um, to what did he say, Lake or Cottage Country?" And he goes, "Yeah, you know, it's really just like water and rock because a lot of our topsoil you guys took for the Midwest." <laughs> I go, "What? <laughs> you know, I'm dirt." Hey, we going back to the pre-Cambian era here. Where are we going? How, how far back wow. here is America going to get blamed? So yeah, we, we apparently took we wow. we took all their uh, now the glacial the glacial period. So. You know, the, the the listeners to this show, they learn about recycling. They learn they about do. the environment. I mean, this is, <laughs> we're very, I mean, you might be up for the Nobel Prize by the time this I, I, you know, like Trump, I'm going to nominate myself. I think I'm just going to say <laughs> I should really, I should win a Nobel Prize. Um, well, speaking of which, why don't we move on to MLS? Uh, okay. Guys with everything else. Um, uh, Philly Union? They kind of pulled a, a Liverpool, a lot of goals, putting up. Yeah, match. Jim Curtin's rolling. Yeah, Jim yeah. Curtin's a good guy. So you know, you know Jim. Huh? He's, I, I yeah, we had this, you know, this team that was uh, out here, you know, at Chivas USA back in the day. Yeah, I, I, it's an extraordinary group. I mean, I was there for four. I mean, the team has a history that doesn't sound great from from afar. Yeah, but you know, I was there for four years uh, working with the coaching staff, and for those four years, we were in the playoffs every year, but those teams that came in, the players that came out of it, you're talking about Jim Curtin, Jesse Marsh, Ante Raza. You have so many coaches, Carlos Yomosa, that are all within, still in the game and doing really good things within the game. It's phenomenal to see, but Jim Curtin's just a great down to earth guy. And he's got that, that program running really, really well. And they're just, they started, they struggled for goals early in the year, uh, but they're, they've scored six goals numerous times now. Um, and, and as he says, he's hoping they're not peaking too early because he wants the goals for the playoffs. But right. their bottom line is they've been one of the best teams in MLS week in, week out for the last four years, solidly. So watch out for them, you know, and, yeah, and in the East the right now, they're, they're at the top for sure. And that's Brendan Aronson was there. So he played for Curtin for, for a bit. Um, yep. 
Yeah, they came through that patch. And the West is is a beast right now. You have Austin, uh, LAFC, which has done so well, but LAFC lost 4-1 to Austin. And, you know, look, LAFC now is, with all the moves that they've made, and they've moved Brian Rodriguez to America now and and brought in Tello. And, I mean, they're a powerhouse team, you know, on paper. Uh, But they're also the target now. So their first game out with Bale starting, uh, (laughs) they lose 4-1. So it's it's an easy group to go after, and I think they're going to have to learn how to be great. Um, they're done very, very well, but they have to embrace being the favorites now because that's what they are. Did you watch that game? Yeah, I've seen parts of it. I didn't get to see the whole thing, but I saw parts right. of it. it. It got chippy. Um, you know, the, they're going after each other in that sense. Well, you know, they like you said, they have a target on them. And then, um, you know, Bale's a little chippy as well. He doesn't really take much at times. I could see him, um, you know, we go to go back to Saha. We were talking about Zaha a, a while back. There's a player you can really knock off his game because he loses his cool all the time. He'll take a swipe, a kick. Uh, pick Who's up that? Uh, Wilfred Zaha. You know, to go, oh, okay. I, I made a I made a huge ADD jump on you right there. But I was just saying, like, certain players, when they're targets, uh, you know, I know as a as a midfielder or a defender, you know that you can sort of wind certain guys up. You can For get sure. sort of thrown yeah. off their game. And Zaha's one, I think Bale's one as well. Um, you get yeah, that. it's interesting. I think when you get to that level, you learn to dial that in. It's usually something a younger player might struggle with. Um, and and when you get enough experience, you learn how to navigate in and around those scenarios because uh, you got to stand up for yourself out there. But at the same time, you can't fall right. into the traps of getting wound up. So that's. It's one of the arts that you learn, I think, as a player. And those usually at the pro level, they, they've got that figured out. But they're humans and they all have different variations to how they handle it. You know, it, one thing um, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but um, one thing I noticed with, you know, D1 soccer, men's soccer, it's, it's there's this still sort of a little bit of a macho attitude where anything that's a little over aggressive, they, everybody jumps up and they blow up their chest and they get in your face. Um, they're like... Like they're offended, uh, you know, you have their masculinity is somehow. And what I've noticed, maybe the ACC, I watched the Final Four. It was with Georgetown, Clemson, Washu, and uh, I, forget who the other, I forget who the other fourth was. But none of that, none of that was happening. The referees out there, the players sort of watch out for each other as far as, you know, uh, you know if you take a hit, the, the players will, will run around or say something to the ref. But um, that direct confrontation doesn't happen really as, as much in these exactly. high levels. No, it's, it's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's it feeds to what we're saying is like at, when you get to the higher levels of competition, it becomes about the football, and you don't want to be on that edge of a red card because of the dire consequences of that. So they become a lot more professional with their approach. Typically, the better teams have some of the better athletes, which means you have really good body control, and you know you're able to get in and out of situations to keep yourself healthy and the opponent healthy, which is a part of the sport. It should be at the highest levels. You're not trying to hurt people. Um, there's an honor to that. You know, there's yeah. there's dirty hits in the NFL. There's dirty hits in soccer. And we don't condone that. We don't want to hurt people. It's their livelihood. But yeah, I've noticed it myself. Like, you know, I've played, I've coached many college games that were very physical, too physical, and I didn't enjoy yeah. it. Right. But when you get to the final four and all that stuff, there's none of that stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, the players are worried about trying to win the game. They're not worried about the other stuff. They're all playing at a high level. Um, you know, interestingly enough, you and I just discussed Chelsea. And guess who we don't talk about at all? Who? Pulisic. Yes. And what is going on? So uh, no moves. Uh, you know, I, I'm worried. Uh, maybe Pulisic isn't on the on the on the pitch on the starting eleven. Maybe he's the one who comes in and Aaron's yeah. early. 
Well, there's that. Um, and then you have a Barcelona. Barcelona has flat out told Sergio Dest, hey, you, you know, you're not going to play for us this year. So you need to find another place to go. Um, and they're running out of time because now if he doesn't find a spot, you know, he, I guess on their contract, he could stay on, in, uh, on their books, but he's not going to play. And you don't want to not play in a World Cup year. So he's going to get pushed. Um, and so now you have Dest, who's a pos- arguably a starter. Um, yeah. I would imagine he'd get one, at least one start in the in the first round, uh, and you have Pulisic, who's maybe playing spot minutes here or there. It's it's a tough spot for us right now. They're not getting the key minutes. Well, you know, one thing they'll certainly be motivated because the World Cup. If you're not motivated, there's something wrong with you. But also, it's a good opportunity for all these players to sort of uh, showcase their wares. Uh, everybody always gets big contracts coming out of the World Cup if they perform well, and I think there could be. You know, that, you know, I think for Dest or Pulisic, those are two players who could be like, wow, they really shine or do a moment of greatness that sort of, uh, you know, gets them the next contract. But I think for our purposes, trying to get by Wales uh, in the opener there, um, we want our guys ready. We want them fit and playing. And in well, season. yeah, I mean, the, the contract, you're right. It's a showcase spot. All the clubs are trying to buy players before they pop at a World Cup. It's a, a lot of this happens at the Youth World Cups. You know, you're trying to sign players. It's very easy, let's say, if you go to the under-20 World Cup, every serious club in the world is scouting that, you know, very closely mm-hmm. to try to get the next crop of players. But the key is to have scattered it beforehand so that you can sign a player before they pop at the under-20s because their price triples if they if they do really well at the under-20s, for example. But with our guys, like, I mean, these guys are already at Barcelona and Chelsea. So, like, contract-wise, they're in a pretty good spot. You know, I don't know if there's a bigger payday out there unless they do something, you know, really amazing on the field. Um, but the question is, where do they go? Because they don't want to drop down too far either if they lose these big clubs. So, they're in a tricky spot, no doubt. Hey, so here's something interesting as well. Ken, our producer, just shot me this. I have I missed this article first time around. <laughs> uh, kind of doesn't make sense to me, but Chelsea uh, wants Harry Maguire for Man United in a swap deal for Pulisic. Uh, I would mm-hmm. take that one if I was uh, Man United and if I was Pulisic, I'd go um, for sure. Because I think perhaps Man U's on a, on a bit of a resurgence maybe. Um, I think that's a team that, yeah. better. you know, you watched it, took a couple of games or a few games for Conte to get his boys going at Tottenham. Um, why they would grab Harry Maguire, I do not know. Um, but uh, it's, you know, He's, he's taking a lot of heat. He's been riding the, the pine a little bit. but um, Yeah, I think it's sometimes, yeah, like narratives develop to a point where it becomes counterproductive for a player to stay in the same place. Yeah, And that could be where Maguire is, where, you know, he's good enough to be in the Premier League, but maybe it's, yeah. it's just become too much for him at United, uh, where there's been, you know, the, the turn of the, of the masses against him, um, which is a bit harsh. But it's the reality of the current situation, and it looks like Ten Hag's team going forward does not include Ronaldo, does not include Maguire. So now it becomes, can you get something for him? Uh, and it could be, you know, a good deal, give him a, a fresh place. Maybe he doesn't have to start every week at Chelsea, but he, you know, a good defender for the long haul of the season. And I'll, Man United's an American owner, and you get an American player in Pulisic, and there's a yeah. business opportunity there. I like that. I could see Pulisic at Man U. Um, that would work. Sell some jerseys and uh, get get, yeah. get Harry out of the middle of the park and send him. Well, but you know, you're going from Man U to Chelsea. It's not like you're going, you know, not like you're going to play for Swansea or something. You're you're, you're going yeah, from the but it's a fresh start. More than anything. Yeah, right. I mean, he still plays for, for for England, so he needs to still be playing in a, at a big club. But it's yeah. a fresh start because it's uh, the momentum's gone against him there. 
All right, man. Well, what else you got? Did I talk about the garbage here? <laughs> yeah, I hope you're all right. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm, get, I'm getting out before the before the rats come. Um, yeah, I just don't think, want it to be like France for you. That would be traumatic. Well, look, when I was in France at the World Cup, man, there was there was a strike. Uh, I think I was on a train when it stopped and like, uh, we are not going any further than Avignon. You must get <laughs> off at Avignon. I'm like, I don't want to get off in Avignon. <laughs> All right, brother. Very good. Very good. Can you speak some French? Oui, je parle français. Oh, parlez-vous français? Non, je parle très bien français. Ah, you bitch. Speaking to Deutsch? Nine. Nine? Te ganes. You parle un poco d'italiano, eh? What's that one? Io parlo un poco d'italiano. Italiano. Ciabel, il cante per favore. That's all I got. I can't say that. That's not appropriate. That's, uh, that's Ciao, Bella, and give me the check. Oh, look, you cheap bastard. Don't give me the check. <laughs> that's why you've never said it before. You never, never asked for the check. All right, Chris, man. Well, okay, look. Uh, safe travels back. Yeah, safe travels back. I head to the Telluride Film Festival this uh, this week. Um, Thursday, I'll be there. Thursday, Friday. Thursday, Say hi to Robert Redford. Uh, Robert, yeah, Robert Redford. I've never met him. I met uh, his daughter. Uh, long story, actually very short. <laughs> actually, short story. You <laughs> said hello to her. Uh, she was at an event that I was emceeing um, and talked to her afterwards. But uh, great family. So I'm going to that. So we'll be. Uh, where will I be? My next week will be. Uh, well, yeah, I'll be in Telluride when we do this next week. So um, right. and you will hopefully have a couple more wins. I'll still be in LA, schlepping yeah. along. And I will see you soon. All right. So, All right. Safe travels, brother. Yeah, I'm just at this point. I'm just hoping Telluride isn't on a garbage strike because that would just be, yeah, that would I think be, it would be more upsetting. about me. Hey, yeah, we're taking. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not doing any garbage pickle anymore. Allez, la France. All right, man. I've just defended every nationality in the country, uh, in the world. So uh, for Chris Shamides, I'm Kevin Flynn. This is Over the Ball. And we'll talk to you next time from a garbage strike in Telluride, Colorado. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247.